is the Almost Awakened Podcast, a no-nonsense approach to spirituality with your hosts, Brittany Hartley and Bill Reed. Here we dive deep into the wisdom traditions while acknowledging insightful breakthroughs in science, psychology, and human development. Our goal is to explore the good life and the very best of spirituality, no-nonsense required. Check us out at almostawaken.org, where you can check out past episodes, make a donation, email us a question or comment, or find out more about the resources we shared. And now, today's podcast episode. All right. All right. All right. Brittany Hartley, how are you doing today? I am so great. How are you? Doing awesome. Excellent. Another chance for us to sit down and have a cool conversation. Yes, this will be a really good one. I'm really excited about this episode. And I loved, I don't know if you saw, um, we got a lot of positive feedback from our last episode with John Ogden. And John um, posted, he was, he was, uh, did some stuff with Salt Lake Tribune and he's done other podcasts and he's posted a couple places. And one of the things he said is that if you want to know more about, you know, like secular approach spirituality, he referred people to our podcast, especially the episode that we did with Mark Campolo. So it was just an amazing shout out from John. And uh, that was nice to see. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, we were talking off the air just before we started here and the whole goal, you know, I shouldn't say the whole goal, but we have lots of goals. But one of the goals for me anyway, is that I want to introduce people to things they're not thinking about. And as people are deconstructing a faith system, as they're looking at reading Brene Brown or thinking about, you know, some piece of wisdom that they've latched onto, the reality is there's a thousand other things. And uh, to help people begin to get, you know, for instance, our episode on the hero's journey, to get familiar with Joseph Campbell and to understand this story that is in all of our lives, uh, the hero's journey. And we're hoping to to do that again today. Today, we've got a, a special guest. We'll bring... Uh, Bring her on, uh, Jess, uh, Jessa Bangerter, and uh, let me put up uh, the names there so we can see it. And the thing we're talking about today is the Enneagram, and it's another one of these things that you and I are familiar with. Um, we'll talk maybe about our own personal numbers here at some point, Britt, and you can tell me your shadows and I'll tell you mine, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll, we'll see where that goes. But like uh, John Ogden in the Uplift uh, which is really the the pressing question for people who are leaving religion is what do I do now to raise my kids healthy? And whereas that's for the children, I think the Enneagram can help us understand our kids, but it seems like it's really good adult information. And so Jessa, welcome to the program. Oh, okay. Let me, I got you. Mute you. Sorry. I got you. There we are. How are, how are you doing? We good. I'm great. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Good, good. Glad you're here. Um, we probably ought to start off if you want to give us maybe a brief intro to you and who you are and, and why you're the one in front of us talking about the Enneagram. And then we can jump into kind of, uh, some information about it. I mean, honestly, if we want to be like a little bit spiritual about it, I, like I probably manifested this a little bit. <laughs> Bill was like my, uh, he was my, the person that I identified most with in my deconstruction. Um, your podcasts, all, podcast plural. Um, yeah. really just were influential to me. And so, yeah, kind of like spiritually, spiritually, like this is, you know, this is huge for me. Um, but yeah, I'm here. I uh, have been deconstructing my faith for, I don't know, probably since 2017, 2018. Um, and 
in that process, I just realized that, first of all, I wanted to, um, I, I don't think I'll ever believe in anything 100% again. I just, I don't think I'll ever be able to. And the other part of it is, is that I wanted to be open to learning and experiencing anything and everything and not taking it on as the truth, but just a, you know, a, a modality to learn and grow and experience the human experience. And, um, you know, I've done a bunch of different things. The Enneagram is one that um, has kind of stuck with me. And I don't know if I'll use it forever. Um, but for right now, at this point in my life, it's a great tool to help me understand myself, understand the patterns that are healthy and unhealthy in my life. Um, and also just to have empathy for other people. So I just think it's a great tool. Bill yeah. and I, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead, Brick. Uh, Bill and I, we've talked a lot before about how when people are deconstructing and you're in kind of chaos, that you mm -hmm. kind of have to find something. Hopefully you hold on to it loosely so that it mm -hmm. doesn't become your new religion, but you do need to find something to help you order your life because you can't really stay functional in chaos forever. So it sounds like was Enneagram the thing that really helped you to understand yourself and understand others and keep kind of growing and give you some order and structure in your in your kind of deconstruction? Um, well, when I first found the Enneagram, I just kind of saw like the very base level and I dismissed it. I was like, this is stupid, like another personality test. Um, I actually dove really deep into human design and the gene keys. I don't know if you guys have heard of those. Um, it's kind of like along the same lines of astrology. It's like, it's based on the time you were born. It's just a lot more in depth. And I love anything like that that just sucks me in. Um, so I did that actually, and that was really big for me for the first couple of years. And then I came back to the Enneagram. It just kind of kept coming up again. Um, after breath work, I was, I got my Reiki certification. I got, I kind of like did all these different things. And then I came back to the Enneagram and started learning, um, more of the, like the deeper layers of it. And I was like, okay, wow, this is really special. So it took me a minute to get there, but it's, that's exactly it. It's just a way to put a pattern to the chaos of the human experience for me at this moment. Yeah. And, and I know that, you know, the liturgist podcast covered the Enneagram. I, I know that there are folks out there who place uh, some seriousness on it. And, and so do I, by the way, I also looked into astrology for a while and, and took that a little seriously. And again, not to say it's true or not true. It, to me, it's a little more abstract than, uh, than the Enneagram. The Enneagram for me was really like, okay, there's these nine types of personalities in the world. And if you understand, like when I took the time to understand my wife and the number that she is in here, it gave me a way to go like, oh, like she's going to respond better rather than responding to her the way I would respond to myself, mm -hmm. responding to her the way she would, uh, take better is mm -hmm. it lays out kind of those kinds of guidelines. So whether somebody's a seven or a mm -hmm. four, uh, mm -hmm. or a nine, their personalities are going to be very different. And so we can interact mm -hmm. with them different, which gives us the ability to cater our um, interactions with others based on what's healthiest for them mm -hmm. and what works best for them to feel safe in the world. 100%. Yeah. So uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Well, I was just going to ask you before we start, I, I want to make sure I know this. Bill, you said you're an eight, right? I'm an eight with a nine wing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then Britt, what are you? I'm a four with a five wing. Okay. Awesome. Uh, P.S. Britt and Bill, your names are switched. 
Oh yeah, let's do that. Watch this. Ta da! <laughs> no, okay. I was like, wait a minute. Something, what's going on in my head right now? Thank you for pointing it out. I usually catch it about 20 minutes into the program. No, that's great. Um, yeah, no, I just wanted to make sure. And because it, it really is every single number, um, people think that like, especially four, and I don't know if this is your experience, Britt, but a lot of times fours have a lot of resistance to any sort of like label or, okay, you know, I, you're, you're a four, you're um, X, Y, Z, whatever the system is, they have a hard time. So it's like, no, I'm so much more complex than that. Cause we all are. And it, and I think people dismiss this sometimes when they don't really understand the complexity, how we really are all of the numbers. We just have um, a tendency to like, to act and react in a certain way and having language for that is really helpful. Yes. That, that to me is to like the main difference between this and something like astrology. Astrology is Mm -hmm. something that has never resonated with me. Mm -hmm. Um, It's never worked for me. It's, I have issues with it when people get, the difference for me is that my, my husband is, he's a three and I'm a four. So we're reading about it. We're talking and I'm able to Mm -hmm. understand old goal setting is like super important for you. Like signing up for this triathlon is super important for you and your self-worth. And I understand Mm -hmm. you more. And then Mm -hmm. he's understanding that I need to have like these deep conversations about really sad things. Cause that's what fours with a five wing do. We like to think really, really deeply about really sad things. Right. And um, it helped us to really understand each other. And the reason that I like that better is you're just talking about kind of driving forces. This is a driving mm-hmm. force mm-hmm. in my life. This is a tendency in my personality um, versus mm-hmm. astrology, which so easily can become I'm being an ass today because Mars is doing whatever it's doing. And that is just like, that's not helpful. That, that yeah. it just never read to me. There's such a big difference between, trying to understand human um, personalities and what motivates us um, Mm -hmm. versus trying to understand um, human behavior based on what the planets are doing, which gets really hokey really fast for me personally. Do you feel like there's more accountability for yourself and for the people when it's, it is my responsibility, how I'm acting isn't influenced by an outside Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a, I feel, I do feel like horoscopes is a really easy path for spiritual bypassing because Mm -hmm. horoscopes Mm -hmm. rarely does that work say like really get into your shadow work and really get Mm -hmm. into if this is your strength and this is also your weakness Mm -hmm. and you're going to have to dive into that. There's a Mm -hmm. lot of, I think, you know, uh, pop psychology, positivity, and, 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 uh, whenever you use the word energy, you have to be really careful because it can get into places that are really unscientific. And then it can get into really spiritual bypassing kinds of places. Whereas the Enneagram, you know, one of the strongest experiences I've had with my husband is I printed out literally what is a four married to a three look like. And it was Mm -hmm. one of the deepest conversations that I've had in my marriage, because you've got to understand that the three is showing up this way and is annoyed that um, I'm so affected emotionally by this or that I'm thinking about these deep philosophical problems and he's having a harder time, you know, meeting me there. And we were able to sit down over dinner and say, you know, Oh, there's some mapping for this. Someone else, 
it really looked like someone else deeply understood our marriage who had never mm -hmm. met us because they were able mm -hmm. to see how will a four and a three show up in a marriage. And so that was deep. It was shadow work. It was deep work. It was mm -hmm. deep understanding work. Whereas I think horoscopes can get, it just can get really, um, the science behind it can get a little bit hard for me to follow. And I think there's a lot of spiritual bypassing that happens with that, but that's just been my experience. Right. Bill, you're muted. Yeah. I just I just was pulling it up as you guys were talking. So let me let me share my screen here. And while we're getting started here, uh, Jessa, why don't you run us through what is the Enneagram? Because we're already losing some people going like, I don't know what the hell we're talking about. Sounds like it's right. like astrology. And right, it right, really right. is. And it's something very different, although it does lay into some personality. So your thoughts yeah, there on what is the Enneagram? Yeah, don't leave yet. I promise it's going to get so good. It is. It's fun it's stuff. Get, it really is so fun. So the difference between the Enneagram and like all these other personality types, horoscopes, anything else, the Enneagram is not a uh, characteristics of, of your personality. It's the motivation behind why you do what you do. Like why you, like one of the examples that I always think of is um, if you, like if somebody brings cookies to a party, right? A one is going to do it because they feel like this is like morally the right thing to do. This is you know, this is right. Um, it, yeah, it's right. Where a two, they're, it's the same action, but the motivation behind it is like, I want to connect. I want to have a deep connection with this person or I want them to, um, yeah, be, be connected to me. Where a three is about um, how they look and how people perceive them. And so, you know, if, if they're like, okay, I'm going to bring these because people are going to see me bringing these and they're going to say, you know, oh, like that was, you know, that was awesome. That was really kind, whatever it is. So all the way around, um, you know, one through nine, we all have different motivations at our core. Um, you know, and like, and like you said, Britt, Bill, both of you, um, there is so many layers to it, the shadows and, um, just being able to understand the complexities of, um, why someone does something for me, it takes like everybody back to this childlike state. Like once I learned this, it's like every person I look at, no matter what situation I'm in, I see them like as this inner child of everyone has like this core wound or core, um, something that, that wasn't met for them as a child, a certain need or something they needed to hear. And that's part of the Enneagram too, is that everybody has something that, that, there's like messages that when you hear them, at least for me, I'm a seven PS seven, like st strong six swing. Um, so you like to have a good time. You're, yeah, oh, you're I, ordering all the appetizers. I love my sevens. <laughs> oh, I like, let's yeah. 100%. The thing is, is it's like understanding myself though. My husband's a nine PS. My husband's a nine wing one. He's very like go with the flow passive. And so I'm like, Hey, like, what are we going to do? Like, what's the plan? What's this? And he's so laid back that having the Enneagram as a tool to be like, okay, my personality is very assertive. And when he says, I don't know, it's not because he's hiding it. Because to me, it's like, well, there's always a hundred things on the list of what I could be doing or want to be doing. And for him, a nine is a peacemaker. And it's just very much, if everyone around me is happy, I'm happy. To me, it's like, wait, okay, but what? You know what I mean? So understanding the motivation behind why people act the way they do to me just 
really creates empathy and on such a deeper level than I've ever experienced before. And like you said, there's like a lot of inner child work here because Mm -hmm. I can go back and I can see when I felt, uh, when I didn't feel loved or I didn't feel seen, what was like, what was my go-to? And for some people, like I'm going to be the funny guy and I'm going to get attention or I'm going to be the caretaker and I'm going to take care of my siblings or Mm -hmm. I'm going to make sure that everything's perfect and I'm going to control my little world and like your Mm -hmm. perfectionist starts growing. And for me, like I am going to dive into books and I'm going to try to understand this and I want to be the smartest, you know, that was Mm -hmm. like, I'm not going to be the prettiest or I'm not going to be the best at this, but maybe I can be the smartest in class and maybe I can figure this out. And it was mm. like, you can see that these personalities can develop from what did you do when you didn't feel loved and seen as a child? And so this right. is why to me, this is such a deeper work founded in psychology mm. versus trying to say that you're a nine because you were born at this time of the year. That to me mm-hmm. just didn't resonate with me. Right. Yeah. So um, let's jump into this question, which we've kind of hit on, but I'll, I'll just ask it so that you have a chance to add anything else you want to. And mm-hmm. if there isn't anything else, we can just move on. But okay. why the Enneagram is worth learning. And we've hit on some of it. We can understand our spouse better, understand our partner, understand mm-hmm. coworkers, understand our children, uh, understand mm-hmm. ourselves too. Uh, mm-hmm. But any, anything else that you want to hit on that's specific? Um, I mean, basically, I think when you think about the way you see the world and we've all been in a religion where it is a lens, right? And, and we can't see the lens in front of us. Um, thinking of the Enneagram as like nine different colors, um, nine different lenses that we don't know that we have. Um, it's like when I think about one of my favorite things, favorite things to think about is that today, almost 7 billion, 8 billion, almost 8 billion people in the world all experience this day completely differently. You know what I mean? We all have different emotions, we all have different things leading up to this and that we all are here having an experience completely different to me is just so, it sounds so simple, but it also feels so profound to me that it's just like, I think sometimes we get caught in our own head and we get, and we see things the way we see them. Um, oh shoot, I was gonna, I was gonna bring a, there's a, there's a Calvin and Hobbes strip, like comic strip. It's one of my favorites and I can't remember exactly what it says now and I'm going to ruin it, but basically it's like, you are not what they think of you. Every situation, it just, I'm, I'm going to have to find it and tell you guys later. Or I'm gonna have yeah, to no biggie. If you, if you share with us later, we'll put it in the show notes as the image yeah. for the episode. So yeah. we can do that. It's just basically a way to understand yourself, a personal, t- a personal um, tool to facilitate self, awareness and growth. Um, and then also, like I said, to understand people around you and understand how you come across to them as much as they come across to you. And I think that was a huge part for me is that sometimes I, I wouldn't realize how much I would maybe like bombard my husband or like overtake things um, completely unaware of it, that it was happening. And so giving yeah. him understanding that and then giving him space being like, okay, oh, hey, hey, I want you to go take 20 minutes, go on a bike ride, go do it, go do something that you feel fulfilled with and then come back and let's talk. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's changed my life. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just looking right now at like, 
your outline and looking at my wife's number and looking at my number and going like, yeah, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. So let's jump into some of these. So okay. the first one is mm -hmm. the perfectionist. Let me put this back up on the screen for a moment. Let me take uh, let me take that down and add this back up. So let's start yeah. with the perfectionist, the performer, and the visionary. And yeah. let's have you tell us a little bit about ones. And what people are going to have to do is when we get to the end, we'll tell you where to go find some of these tests at. Uh, uh -huh. there, there's tons of good ones. They're free. Uh, you mm -hmm. can figure out which Enneagram number you are and then mm -hmm. maybe pick a person or two in your life that you care about see if they'll take it and mm -hmm. see if these kind of things work out. I think you'll find that you really grasp better ways to interact with each other and your relationships will improve if you yeah. understand other people's numbers. So run us through number one. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So depending on what website, what book you're reading, what um, resource you have, they have different names. People have, but it's still the same idea, right? So yes, the perfectionist, the performer, the visionary, um, they are motivated by, they want to be respected. They want to be seen as someone that is respected and deserves that. Um, everybody has a core fear, right? And a one, the fear they're working from is they don't want to be bad. They don't want to be corrupt or defective. Um, they want to they want to be good and do good and do what is moral, right? Um, they value integrity and they value goodness. And um, the thing is, is that everybody has, so, so they value integrity and they want to act out of integrity, but at the same time, they can go too far. Everybody can go you know what I mean? Like they can go too far in what they're trying to do. And yeah. There's unhealthy places for each number and there's healthy places for each number. Yeah. And yeah. Yep. And so that can go into a critical perfectionism where it, it, it just is so overboard. Right. Um, for a one, the unconscious, they have, they have these childhood messages. Like I kind of talked about earlier. Um, and, and, for a lot of people, and I know for me, this was true. When I heard the childhood message and the lost message, it was like a punch in the gut. It was just like, oh, like took the air out of me, break my heart. You know, it, it was just so, I felt so seen, like that inner child felt so seen. So um, sometimes that's like a thing. If you, if you don't know what number you are, I think looking up the childhood messages and the lost messages is a way also to be like, which one of these makes me feel inside? Like, that's what I needed to hear, right? So this unconscious childhood message is, it's not okay to make mistakes. That's whether whether it was ever intended or not by your parents or your environment, wherever you were raised, that's what you interpreted and that's what you took with you. Um, so all they, they need to hear is, you are good. You are good. And yeah, it's simple, but to a one that will feel profound. I, I have a question here. Um, so there was an episode that uh, Dan Witherspoon and Janice Spangler did. That was one that's my favorite episode on Enneagram where they talked about if you're this number, this is what your church experience would likely be like. And so I would love, um, and it was like, it was, it was, I could see this happening with all my people. Right. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was one of the most profound dives I I've ever done um, to really understand why people leave the church for different ways and why people stay and 
really getting into the Enneagram to, to look at yeah. those core motivations. Um, like the loyal people, like they're not going to leave until you make them choose between them and their gay son. Like that's going to be the thing, you know? Right. So mm -hmm. I would love to hear, um, like if you're a one, like mm -hmm. what would, rather than like your experience in the church, since mm -hmm. most of our listeners are no longer in that place, what would, so if they're deconstructing, I'm guessing mm -hmm. you would see that they're going to have to spend some time unloading good girl, like that I have to be good girl, like that's going to be mm -hmm. a big part of their deconstruction. So mm -hmm. I would love to hear like in each number as you go around, like mm -hmm. what things you would expect um, mm -hmm. for that person to come up as part of their deconstruction journey. And I'm guessing for this one, it would be like good girl kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, okay, so first of all, I haven't heard that podcast. And so I've got to go look it up. Because so I created a, an Instagram account like a year ago, and I haven't done anything with it. It's just like the name is saved. And it was Exmo Enneagram. And I don't know if I'll ever do anything with it. But my dream was to create a page around each number deconstructing um, high demand religion and like what the like hardest points would be, what like growth points, like help with um, ideas of, of healing. I haven't done it yet. Do so it. I like, do it. like okay Jessica like it's you gotta do it you gotta do it because that was like my dream of of when I was doing this Enneagram I'm like oh my gosh like this helps me heal and I want to help everybody else heal but everyone heals differently because what resonates with you or why you left isn't the same as the next person so having a little bit of a map for different people I have goosebumps like I always call them truth bumps when I get them it's like okay this is like this is like good right um so yeah so I I don't know and I don't have, but I will, I will try really hard. The thing is with the one, so every number has a num another number on the Enneagram that we go to in growth and then in stress, right? So a one, when they are, they're in a growth point, they're in a point of growing and of kind of tapping out of like the mental day-to-day -day stuff, ones go to seven. And so they become a lot more spontaneous, a lot more joyful a lot they kind of let go of like what is good what it's like what brings me joy and what makes me happy so i feel like if you're leaving the church or you are you know you're out of it and you still have that programming of you have to do what is good i feel like for a one um just thinking about it it's like find something that brings you joy like true joy right and when you do that i feel like that will help your soul heal and grow does that make sense Totally. And I love that because I've ne I've heard people talk, do podcasts on like, how do these uh, personalities show up in church, but I've never seen anyone do what you're talking about. And that would be so mm -hmm. interesting to look at. So I would love, I will have to, we'll give you an assignment, go do the thing and then come back yeah. on and tell me all about it. Because I've been curious about that for years. Like how would that look in deconstruction? And I haven't seen anybody tackle that. So, well, let me put this out into the universe because I hate posting like I hate the computer work the social media the like the tediousness as a seven I'm just like okay I'm so bored I want to think about it I want to conceptualize I want to do all that stuff I don't want to sit down because if I try and create something it's never going to be good enough I'm not like I go to a one when I am in my stress point you know what I mean as a seven my stress point is a one and it goes into that like critical perfectionism can't handle it 
So I'm going to put this out into the universe. If anybody wants to reach out to me um, and collaborate with me and you want to do some of that stuff, I would love to explore this because I, I would love it. So yeah, that would be cool. Awesome. So you've got them going into seven and a growth point. You said in a stress point, they, the number ones go where? To a four. So a ones four. become um, a lot more moody and a lot more rational. And P.S. I yeah. want to also say when you go to your stress point, you take on the negative, not the negative, but like, yes, the more negative aspects of that number. So it's not like you're going to a four and fours are all moody and irrational. It's like you take on the negative of the four, right? Where yeah. you're you take on the positive of the seven. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Totally. Yep. Cause I, I see these in my own numbers and, and mm-hmm. with my wife as well. And yeah, like we have these traits, but when we're in a moment or a phase of our life where we're feeling really good about things, we go one direction. And then if mm-hmm. we're having a lot of uh, negative happening, or as you're pointing out here, stress, we mm-hmm. go to another place. Right. All right. So, so number two, Let's keep going. Yeah. Yep. The connector. The helper, mm-hmm. the nurturer. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. And they, two's motivation is they just want to have deep relationships. Um, I have so many twos in my life. Like I just, there's so many twos, and their their fear, like what their what their biggest fear internally is, is being unloved or being unwanted for who they are. Um, so they always feel like I have to serve and I have to do something and I have to like nurture this relationship right um and and because they value love they value altruism they um they just want to be loved and feel loved but sometimes that can that can go too far and this is that too far point of, of they need to be needed so they will almost create situations where they they need they they need you to need them right um, and I think a lot of times, sometimes I see this in like, you know, moms, different things that, that instead of like letting their kids be right, right? Like, okay, go, you know, you need to learn the experience. It's like, no, 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 I, I'm going to hover. I'm going to keep you close. I'm going to protect you. And I'm going to do everything for you so that they feel this purpose of, well, they need me. Right. Um, it's kind of a dependency in a negative state. You can kind of get into this codependent thing. Um, but the two's unconscious childhood message is it's not okay to have your own needs. So, so they need to learn to acknowledge their own needs, not just other people's. Um, their lost message, which is like the heartbreaking one for me, um, you are wanted. The two, you are wanted. That's the that's message for two's. Two's actually... Yeah, I was go going to say, going back to the church, just going back to Mormonism mm-hmm. for a second, and mm-hmm. any high demand fundamentalist religion or any religion where it's just not working for you, you can mm-hmm. see why certain things would cause certain personality numbers to kind of look at the church differently. For instance, mm-hmm. an eight might, um, again, I'm speaking personally, an eight might get really not be bothered much by history, but mm-hmm. would see people being marginalized as a serious issue, right? Whereas mm-hmm. the the ones the perfectionists would go like, hey, this stuff doesn't add up. The history doesn't mm-hmm. doesn't connect. Mm-hmm. Uh, two mm-hmm. might go, hey, there's not any community here. These people don't really like me. They don't really want me here. Like each person mm-hmm. will have their mm-hmm. own motives and reasons for why mm-hmm. they make the choices or why they see the world the way they do. Right, and the enneagram too. Like if you break it down, 
the eight, the nine, and the one are all um, body types. Like they're, it's like a gut motivation. The two, the three, and the four are heart types and five, six, and seven are head types. So a lot of times too, when I think about deconstructing is um, some people are going to be a lot more mental and it's not going to be as much of an emotional thing. It's going to be like, I need to understand. I need to research. I need to get this. Where a body like an eight, a nine, a one is just like, I feel like this is not right. You know what I mean? And we need to make this right. So like you said, the eight is a protector and they want to protect their community and their people. And there's injustice happening. And I see this and I need to help this. So yeah, yeah. That totally. Makes sense. I can see, I can see though, like, um, in my experience and mm-hmm. I ask all my friends what they, what they are. Cause I want mm-hmm. to know, um, yeah. like if you're a woman and you're a five, we're like, mm-hmm. I've got to figure out this polygamy, like mm-hmm. there's going to be some issues that come up for you. But yeah. I see with my girlfriends who are twos, um, mm-hmm. in some way, there's some parts of patriarchy that really serves a two, which is as yeah. a woman and a mother, you are going to get a lot of attention for the service that you give others, right? You're going 100%. to get a lot of praise for um, all the, like there are a thousand ways to serve when you're in a high demand religion. And if you're that mm-hmm. girl who's always showing up with the casserole, if you're a two, that's going to be um, a really motivating force for you to stay in a community where you have a lot of opportunities versus outside. Where are you going to, where's, where's your cast, you know, where are you going to do those kinds of things? So it's really interesting to see, yeah, like Bill was saying that people are going to respond to aspects of the church in different ways. And there's going to be things that bother them and things that don't, but I see a lot of women who will stay for a long time in the church, not for any beliefs, not because they did their history on polygamy, but because I I'm really seen for my service here. And I can understand that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Twos are valued, right? Twos are valued by the system. And there are other numbers in this, in this, uh, in this breakout that, wouldn't be as valued, whether you're a female or whether you're a male. Um, mm-hmm. There are certain ones that seem to mesh better for one gender and seem to mesh better for another, um, as you're pointing out, Brit. Yeah. No, to like a Mormon woman, a traditional Mormon woman is a two is built for that role. Like this is cookie cutter. You serve, you do, you feel needed, you are needed. You need to serve these men. You need to, you know, you need to bring the treats to the meeting. And then, yeah, it's very much, but um, twos can thrive. And I, and I do have twos in my life that, that they do. And, and some of them, it is. It's like I ignore anything because this community fulfills me. And for me, I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm not going to even try and like, I don't want to ruin that for them. If they are uncomfortable, if you're unhappy, then 100% come here and let's talk about this and let's like analyze this, right? But if you are being fulfilled in a role, then it's just like, keep the peace, like, good for you. Like, I, I'm glad that you get what you need. You know I'm reminded. I mean? Yeah. So, I'm reminded there's this one LDS video. I'll have to post it because this is like literally like made for a two is it's like this woman and she has to like a neighbor six. So she's got to make a casserole and there's all these needs that she has for serving others. And then her mm-hmm. sister's coming into town and she wants to go out and have a fun time with her sister. And she eventually mm-hmm. like 
cancels the sister and does all these service things. And then at the end of the video, it shows like, oh, that person really needed that casserole because they were in a such dark place. And it was like, this is the, it was the epitome of like, your needs do not matter. Like that was the mm -hmm. message of the video. Like mm -hmm. She couldn't go out mm -hmm. and have a fun time with her sister because look at all the effects of her service and how much she changed the world. Right. And it was like this right. perfect message for a female too. Right. Right. Well, and if, if your unconscious childhood message is literally, it's not okay to have your own needs and that's just being reinforced forever. Like a hundred percent, you're going to interpret that and really it's going to resonate so deeply where some of us, it might be like, well, this is bull. I don't know if I can swear or not. This is stupid. Uh, I know this isn't, this isn't right. You know what I mean? Uh, so yeah. So, and also I just want to, I just want to point out really fast. So the two goes to a four in growth where the one goes to a four in stress, the two goes to four in growth. And so they become the more positive aspects. They become self-nurturing and they become emotionally aware of themselves and their own emotions, their own needs. Um, in stress, they go to eight and that's when they become like aggressive and dominating. And, um, yeah, just wanted to that in there too love it so awesome so the next one is a three mm -hmm. uh, there it's listed as the achiever the um what do you have there is the other two luminary, the, motivator? the luminary or the motivator yep mm -hmm. um and like like i said earlier the three motivation is to be successful and to be impressive they it's so much about how people see them um the fear is that they will be worthless without their achievements so they need to mm. achieve, they need to do and achieve things externally, not just the inner self-worth. They need to do external things. And that's how they feel that worth. Um, they, 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 they want to be valuable to other people, but it can deteriorate and it can just go to like chasing after success or chasing after another goal instead of is this really fulfilling? Is this really what I need or what I want? It's just about achieving the next thing and it can get addicting kind of for them. Um, the, the unconscious message for, for a three is it's not okay to have your own feelings and identity. It's like their identity is in what they do. Yeah. I, I know the threes in my life. And again, all of these things have, it's hard to describe people. I don't want anybody to feel offended or hurt as yeah. we describe some of this, but the threes are also performers, right? They want to be the center of attention in a room. They, they, if, if you have the person who kind of gets everybody all to get together and laugh out loud with some spontaneous moment or joke, like they were plotting that out in their head for 10 minutes. Cause, mm -hmm. cause they want mm -hmm. to perform. They want to get everybody mm -hmm. rolling or to, or to have the room kind of think they're the, the, not necessarily the funniest guy in the room, but the, the person who's drawing attention to themselves. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And I'm and thinking more Go ahead, Brett. Uh, I'm thinking, so my husband's a three and he um, is just a goal setter. He's an entrepreneur. He's a triathlete. Like it's, it's, it's a driving motivation and his biggest fear in life. Like he has nightmares about this is like getting something like cerebral palsy where I can't, mm. I can't make goals and do new things. And I can't, I can't perform. I can't function. And my family would have to take care of me. I think it would actually be really um, good for him. <laughs> I think it would make him grow a lot, but like his mm -hmm. biggest fear is like, I would rather be dead 
then not be able to do the things. I don't know how mm -hmm. I would function if I had something like cerebral palsy. It's his big, like he fears that more than he fears. Right. Yeah. And they, it seems as though when you, when you look at some of these little messages, the unconscious childhood message, right? It's not okay to have your own feelings and identity. And then that mm -hmm. lost message of your love for yourself. It, mm -hmm. It's almost like no one's going to like what's in here. So I have to do something so that people see the thing I do. And mm -hmm. then the thing I do will be worthy of acceptance and value, right? It, mm -hmm. it, it really does hit it. Maybe some predisposition in the way we're born, but mm -hmm. almost assuredly a lot of early childhood things that mm -hmm. happened in our world that didn't happen to the kid next door. Mm -hmm. 100%. 100%. Any other thoughts uh, there on the three? Um, yeah, I just wanted to mention, so the threes uh, in growth. So I guess if we if we talk about healing and we talk about you know what something as a three, if you're leaving, I mean if you're leaving a religion and that would be really hard because I feel like a three would be like okay what's the next calling you know what I mean what's the next status symbol um, and and being seen in those would be really valuable so I think walking away would be so like such an ego trip of just like oh my gosh like people are gonna see me not as successful, not as achieving, like these roles that we're supposed to fill in this high demand religion, right? Um, so so if you are loved for yourself, the growth point is um, a six for a three, it's a six. And that's like being more cooperative and committed. So it's like um, maybe doing something in a group, like finding a community that does something that you really love, like something that you feel passionate about, that you love to do, that brings you joy. Um, in a group, maybe that might be something that instead of having a personal thing that you're trying to achieve, maybe being part of a community that has the same values and the same kind of desires or enjoys the same thing, that might be healing. Um, where a stress point is they go to the nine, which is very disengaged and very apathetic. It's like, no, I can't do this. And so I'm checking out. Like, I'm not going to address that. I'm not going to look at it. I'm done. Yeah. Mm. This is like, just like thinking of my husband, right? I'm like, yeah, you hear that? Um, it's so interesting, though, because he's a pretty healthy three. He's not, he doesn't get into like the vanity of, of three. He's, he's a pretty healthy three, I would say. And one thing that was really, really important to him in his church experience was like the checklist he really mm -hmm. liked, which achievers love, like I can check this off and I feel that I'm good. Right. Like I did, mm -hmm. I did the thing. I did and, my teaching. I did my, yes, I, I went to church yes. and I did my meetings and yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so for a long time, like he, he didn't, he didn't believe it. He was always agnostic. Even when we were first married, he was, really? um, whatever Joseph Smith was doing, like, didn't matter. Like didn't, don't want to read any of that. He wow. loved the checklist. Like he's an achiever. Like, let me do the checklist. And I feel mm -hmm. like I'm, my life is on track and I'm good. That was like wow. the driving force behind his church experience. And so the, the, the thing that made him stop attending, cause we were mm -hmm. doing like a, um, he would go to church and I would go somewhere else for a couple years. But when he stopped was when I started doing uplift with my kids, which we did mm -hmm. for our last episode. And yeah. I made a list like Sunday morning, we're going to read. And then we go on a nature walk and we have a lesson. And I made like a checklist of what our Sunday morning mm -hmm. was going to be. And once like, I don't know if he's ever verbalized this, but this is what I think. But like once that checklist was in place of like, we're doing something, we're not just not going to church. We've replaced it with something. He was mm -hmm. able 
able to let go of church and now doesn't mm -hmm. attend. But he right. wasn't able to do that until he had some kind of like order checklist. Mm -hmm. What are we doing Sunday morning? Mm -hmm. Until we could replace it, he felt like he had to go or else he mm -hmm. felt like I'm not doing anything productive with my Sunday. Right. And that was a, and once we had that in place, um, now we don't attend together, but um, it's, it wasn't at all, you know, church history issues. It was the checklist makes me feel really good. And that's oh. a three. Yeah. I, I, I wish I could bottle this really fast. Just before I forget it, Phil, I'm so sorry. You're, no, you're good. Please. Uh, I want, if anybody, if anybody is willing to, okay, you can write me on Instagram, I, like Jessica Bangator or, or Exmo Enneagram. I'm going to like, I think it's public already, but like, I'm going to start interacting. If people can write me with your number, tell me what number you are. If you've tested whatever, tell me why you left. What was your shelf breaker? What was the, you know, what was that thing? And then also maybe like a tiny little bit of like, where are you now? Or what has helped you heal? Um, because like that, having that insight, Britt, of your husband is just like mind blowing. And it's like, oh yes, yes, yes. Like I so see this and I get this. And I just feel like there's such a cool tool here. Um, it has so much potential. So I just wanted to say, anyone yeah, I I wish I had something like that. And it would be cool mm -hmm. for if you ever like put together a survey, you know, Bill can post yeah. it on all of his platforms, but mm -hmm. um, it would, it was, you know, it, I just would love to have had that resource because of course, 10 years ago, I'm like throwing all this information about the church and all the stuff that Bill and I are learning and talking about. He, he couldn't oh, care less, like couldn't yeah. care less. Right. And if I could have just said, Hey, instead of going to the church, I have this really cool like structure over here that let's mm -hmm. do this thing. Cause I think it's more healthy. <laughs> Maybe mm -hmm. we would have like, you know, I just, I didn't mm -hmm. have the language. I wasn't speaking to wow. him in yeah. his language at all. And so it just caused all these issues for years, years and years, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. why? <laughs> anyway, and, so, I imagine, so say, I imagine, you know, not to pick on Mormonism, but to just note like patriarchies, you know, a three female and a three male are going to operate very different. We're getting ready to talk about the four. Those are going to be treated very differently in a patriarchy, in, in a system that values male voices over female voice, voices. Mm -hmm. And and so some numbers, depending on your gender, you might be a huge success in your local ward or system, the Rotary Club, Kiwanis, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you're the other gender, if if there isn't space for equal voice in that system, you may mm -hmm. have a very different experience. And so even as you're out and about and you go like, I'm a four, oh, you're a four. Well, that doesn't mean your experience is the same. You mm -hmm. may have uh, run into roadblocks or uh, confrontation in different ways. A hundred percent. Yeah, the gender, bi yeah, the gender binary and the, um, the lack of space to have that fluidity and to not yeah. be seen as, you know, as negative or positive, depending on what, how, how you identify is yeah that's a huge aspect of it it's a love good it, point love it okay so threes did we say they go to six and nine correct yep yep okay so keep going so Britt. yeah yeah let's talk about number yeah let's talk about number four the individualist the artist mm -hmm. the romantic and on this screen let's see what they call it they call it the romantic and individualist as well mm -hmm. yeah so they want to live a significant life um they 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 never want to be without identity or um 
their personal significance, like who they are. And Britt, tell me, like, if this is not, you know, if this doesn't feel right to you, but this is because, like I said, I'm not a four, but um, they they really value um, authenticity and they want to be significant, but they want to be significant in a way that is very authentic. It's not about show. It's not about if it's not authentic. No. So in the church, you know, if you start figuring these things out, it's like, wait a minute. There's a lot of fluff, a lot of stuff outside. This picture is not authentic. That would be hard, I'm sure. Like, do you have anything you want to say about that? Yeah, just all of that rings true for me. Authenticity is is just a really driving force. I don't I don't like small talk. I instantly want to go when I talk to people like, what's your deepest fear? Like, what's your deepest motivator? Why do you do this? Like I, I, I always force that I know and we're all very different because uh, it's interesting of all the Enneagram types to me, fours are more most different from each other. Um, whereas like when I go to triathlon, sometimes I go to like these triathlon places and they're all entrepreneurs and they're all triathletes. And I'm like, this is just a group of threes, but, (laughs) but, but because fours, because authenticity and individualism is so important, we're all super different from each other and that's okay. Like we like, we like people who Mm -hmm. are just authentically different, but we, we often don't have, like, if you get a bunch of fours together, we'll all look really different because we want to be our most authentic self. And so we're incredibly um, really deep people. Like we like to swim Mm -hmm. in deep waters. And Mm -hmm. someone told me once that fours also really, that they crave sometimes melancholy because Mm -hmm. melancholy is real. Like if someone's going through, um, when I think about the strengths of a four, if you are going through like my dad died and I am in like the worst place of the deepest, darkest waters of my life, the four I think is the most equipped to sit with you in that space. Because Mm -hmm. if that place is real, which my father just died, that's really real. The four will go with you into that Mm -hmm. space, right? Because they want what's most real. So they, I, and to me, I, I will go to these really deep, sometimes dark, sometimes disturbing, sometimes sad places, but I mm-hmm. prefer that to fluff because at least it's real. Right. And so that was kind of just my experience as a four. And so, yeah, in office, inauthenticity at church bothered me. I also have a really strong five wing. So mm-hmm. um, I'm a deep thinker. Right. So I'm thinking deeply about, mm-hmm. you know, I'm thinking deeply and methodically about this really deep water kind of space. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was just my church experience. But yeah, uh, it was really interesting to read about fours and because I'd never heard someone kind of, why Why do I like to watch a really sad movie when my friends are all at a concert? I really didn't know why I like to do that. Mm-hmm. And it felt almost like something was wrong with me. Like, why do I prefer mm-hmm. to like watch that weird documentary over going to that mm-hmm. concert with my friends? And I didn't mm-hmm. know that about me until I understood like, deep waters feel really authentic to me. And so I crave those spaces. I think that that's real validating. Sorry, go ahead, Bill. Go ahead, Bill. No, no, no. Finish off what you're saying there. No, I was just going to say, I'm sure for a four, the Enneagram would be, if you get past the label, uh, very validating of just, Mm. this isn't something wrong. I am not broken. Like, this is just me. 
Yeah. I, I know that this is where our, you know, it says in your thing there, the artist, this is where our creators are. This is the, mm -hmm. the folks who are writing really deep music and painting mm -hmm. paintings. And I mean, these are the creators. These are the folks that are, that are making, putting really deep ideas into some format that the rest of us can participate and sense mm -hmm. into a little bit. Um, yeah. as you guys talk about melancholy, this is also the space. There's a lot of folks here who maybe deal with depression in a little more real way than the rest of us. Mm -hmm. uh, not that, you know, every human can have that experience and you don't have to be a certain number to experience it, but there's a larger number of fours who experience depression and other kinds of emotional, the depth of emotion as Britt was talking about. Um, we've got a daughter who's a four. And I, it scares me, oh, okay. you know, sometimes okay. she's in that really tough space where the world isn't the way she'd like it to be. And it hurts a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I think yeah. for you having that awareness and, and understanding that your daughter, you know, if, if, if she does like identify as a four, um, having that awareness of, okay, like even how to help her or let her have her space to, to process because the thing is, is like you said, like, yes, like fours might be, they, they might be more susceptible to depression. The thing is, I think that we all kind of are, but it's like how it shows up and how we deal with it is so yeah. different. As a seven, I've dealt with depression and anxiety for a long time, but it's just like, I cannot even go there. Like I yeah. distract myself. I'm thinking, I'm learning something, I'm doing something because sitting in that, it's like when you said, I will sit with you, like in, in this grief, in this thing, where if someone's, you know, dad dies, I'm like, hey, come with me. We're going to go do this. We're going to go. There's this class. We're going to do this. We're going to get your mind off of it just for a minute. <laughs> then you can go back. And yeah, yeah. totally sad. different approach. Right. And I want to help. But it's like, I'm not going to, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I feel like I'm helpless. So I'm like, hey, yeah. let's go do this. You know what I let's mean? Let's go skydive. <laughs> let's do anything. Like, let's just get your mind off of it. You don't have to think about it for a minute. Because and I'm like, let's just, let's just lay down and cry that, you know, cause for fours depression is like, and I, and I wonder if your daughter is showing signs of this bill. Well, there'll be, it's like a, a deep existential depression, like the nature of life, the nature of suffering, the fact that there's so much suffering, these really big questions where, um, you know, why. And so there's like a depth to that depression that actually you need some more things than just medication and sunshine you need something a little mm -hmm. bit more hefty for that depression to mm -hmm. you know why is what life worth living like that's where fours will go and um and so to me the reason i found a job that i love is because in coaching i'm helping people in their deepest darkest waters like i'm meeting people mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I'll have a client say, you know, life to me is meaningless and I deconstructed and now I have to remourn my father's death and I don't have any identity. These are really deep places. And for me, a healthy, trying to be a healthy four would be instead of laying mm -hmm. on my couch and crying about it, I can sit with this person and actually make both of our lives a little better by being there together in it. And so that's, why I found the job that I wanted to do because any job that was fluffy or just like doing mm -hmm. it for the money, like I'd rather just be homeless. Like I would mm -hmm. truly rather be homeless. Yeah. I just think that's mm. so beautiful because it just shows exactly like if people are so true to themselves, your community. And I, I know Bill, like you've talked about this a lot about um, like reading sapiens and reading like the evolution of how people interact and all. 
the evolution of language, all these different things when you think about it like that is just like every single person I feel like has so much value and so much to give and a gift. And it's like, if we're all authentic to ourselves, we all serve in different ways. Like that is so needed. There is also a need to be like, okay, now we need to step out of it. But like, you know, we also, we also do need to slow down and process this, right? Like, because if not, you're going to go to bed and it's still going to be there. Like you're just trying to shut it out and you're just, it's still there. You know, I just feel like everybody has such a gift to bring. Yes. And that, that was helpful for my marriage too, to realize that even though I love talking to people in those places, if I'm married a four and we both just like lay down on the couch and watch documentaries and cry together, like no one would be paying the bills and no one would be like, Hey, let's go out and get out. You know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be good for me. Like it wouldn't be good for me to be married knowing like the depth of where I go and how depressing that can sometimes be. Um, I have friends for that, but I wouldn't necessarily want to be married for someone to someone like that or raise kids with someone like that because we would have the same weakness that I think would mm-hmm. kind of spiral us into unhealthy fours. And so, yeah, appreciating mm-hmm. my husband's gifts really helped my marriage rather than expecting mm-hmm. him to to do those things with me all the time. Right. Yeah. hundred percent. What's the uh, childhood message here in four? So four is, um, it's not okay to be too much or not enough. It's like, they always feel like, um, am I, am, and I don't know if this is where you can tell, do you feel like, okay, I'm being too much. I am too emotional or I'm too deep in this, or I'm not being authentic enough. I'm not being real enough. It's like, if I'm out here, this isn't real. This isn't deep enough, maybe, or it's like trying to find that balance maybe yeah so so that how that rest how that is like resonating with me is that if i if i instantly go to like meeting a new person and saying like hey what's your driving major fear like that's something totally comfortable for me to do mm-hmm. and totally mm-hmm. uncomfortable for the people around me. And so that would be, I'd be receiving the message like, hey, that's a little bit too much, right? And then I feel like I'm broken because I'm entering these conversations in a way that feels authentic to me. I wanna know what makes you tick. I'm doing this Mm -hmm. because I really like you as a person. I want to know more about you. And you're Mm -hmm. telling me I'm too much or Mm -hmm. we'll be somewhere else. And it's like a little bit fluffy and I'm not super into it. And so I'm too little. Like, why don't you Mm -hmm. like this concert with us? I'm like, well, this is stupid. Well, now I'm too little. I'm not. And so either way, you just feel really broken in, Mm -hmm. um, in, when you show up, when you show up authentically, because you'll get both messages that you're too mm-hmm. much this and you're not enough this. And then you just right. feel like, oh, okay, I guess I'm the only person, right? Which as yeah. the, as the last message for, for a four is you are seen for who you are. And that is like when someone's, when I can be authentic and someone sees me in that space and loves me, that mm-hmm. is like my deepest validation, like deepest, mm-hmm. deepest validation for sure. And you can see, you know, as a parent to a four, I I can't hold a loud emotional space. Like I just, I don't feel that way. I, I, I tend to, again, I'm an eight, so I'm not necessarily in some of these ones that are much more heady, but I'm in my head trying to figure you have out a seven what's right and what's wrong. Yeah. That, I mean, uh, well, nine wing, not well, a seven wing, a nine wing. So you, but you're so saying you have, but you do have wings, both. 
you can yeah. tap into both. We all have one that we lean to that we're stronger, but you still do tap into both sides of yeah. the numbers next to you. So, it, so I'm sorry. If somebody, going. if somebody says something that is, I've, I've got to sit in some emotion and I can feel like I, I cry at a funeral cause it's sad. I get it. Like I connect that way. But if somebody goes like, um, there's this really hard thing going on in our world, uh, world of meaning family or relationship. And you know, you hurt me or I hurt you, or let's sit with this. Let's talk about it. I don't want to feel that. And so when my daughter, who's a four, when she really wants to sit in that emotion, I don't respond in a way that's healthy to her because she comes back and goes, it just feels like I'm not allowed to feel. I'm not allowed to be loud with my emotion. Um, mm -hmm. And so just um, all I'm trying to say is that note that whatever your number is, when you encounter a spouse or a child or a coworker or a parent who's one of these other numbers, you may not have the skill set to begin with to meet them where they are. Mm -hmm. And, and it's not because they're doing something wrong. It's because you don't have the capacity in your being to respond the way their being is set up to be met. And, and so I'm just simply noting that for people watching or listening um, to pay attention to what numbers other folks are around you mm -hmm. and note where you don't meet them where they need and your inability to do that on your end might be like, man, that person's just, they're just too much. Mm -hmm. And really the reality is you're not showing up the way they need. They right. really need somebody who can hold that space for them. Yeah. I think there's a lot of like um, emotional intelligence and emotional awareness around, around all of that and, and understanding um, it's like love languages before I knew about the Enneagram in the very beginning of my marriage. Like that was, like that first year, you know, like all the bumps, everything. I was just like, okay, well, I can't do this. Like, this is, nope, like we're screwed. Like this isn't gonna work, you know? <laughs> and then like reading the love language book was like, I mean, game changing. Cause it's like, okay, wait, you are physical touch. I got one point on physical touch. I got one out of like 90 foot, what, however, I'm not. To me, I'm like, well, you could get a hooker and do the same, I'm sorry that was that that was not politically correct you, by the I way you can say anything you yeah you can say whatever you want but we're but you good. know what i mean it's like physical to me is not love it's like well yeah like you're a, you're a human being you have sexual urges you can do that with anybody right for me it was all about um uh acts of service so i am like i'm doing this and i'm doing this for you and i'm doing this for you and to him it's just like stop sit down come hang out with me come snuggle with me on the couch and watch this and stop doing something for me i was trying to serve him in my love language where he didn't understand mine and so he was just like let's just sit here and, and i'm just like we were so not hitting it we're not we were not understanding it so yes exactly what you just said bill seeing somebody else and understanding what they need to feel seen or heard or understood and then meeting them there instead of where you would need is just yeah it's no wonder relationships are so damn hard, huh? Like, like we're yeah. all our, the way we operate, the, yeah. our, our center of motives and intention is so different. Our, the behaviors we have, the things that appeal to us, you know, if you're a, if you're a person whose love language is gifts, you walk around the world, giving everybody else gifts. And most yeah. of the people don't want them. I don't like gifts. I mean, you can get me a gift. It's great. But it, 
it doesn't tell me you love me. I don't, it doesn't do anything for me. Like, mm-hmm. great. I've got another Xbox game. Wonderful. Um, mm-hmm. Touch is my love language. And so it, it's just, we really do have to meet people where they're at. Yeah. yeah. So having a tool to help us have that understanding is, I, I just feel like, why doesn't everybody get this? Like this yeah. could make everything so much better. Like <laughs> wake up. That's what this it. is. It's a tool yeah. to show each other, show you what your needs and how you operate in the world and show the people you care about how they operate in the world. So you can meet each other's needs better. hundred percent. Yeah. Beautiful stuff. Okay. All right. So that's the, is that the. Yeah. For your scene for who you are, the growth yeah. point for the four really quick is the one. So when you're meeting that growth point, you are more objective, more principled. You're not as like in it. You're like, okay, I got to get this done. I got to do this. In the stress point, you go to a two and it becomes over-involved and kind of clingy and, you know, more codependent instead of, uh, yeah, in that principled way. Britt, does Um, it show up that way for you? Are you, do you find yourself over-involved and clingy at times? uh, Yeah, I definitely will get clingy. Like if I go a long time where I feel like no one like I'm going through something, I'm going through some deep existential thing and I I don't have anyone particularly in my life to share that with. So I don't feel like I've fully been seen as like this version of Brittany and not loved as this version. I'll get really like needy in my marriage, like because I just deeply need some validation there. I need to be seen there. Um, and so, yeah, I'll get... Um, I'll get a need for validation more, but if I'm in a healthy place, um, yeah, I get, I get shit done instead of just like mull over about the suffering that is inherent in life and all the physical, all the philosophical problems that I think about. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I will get, I will get things done versus just being so like needy for just someone to see me in this Mm -hmm. place that I'm at. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right, number five, the investigator, the philosopher, the innovator. Yes. Okay, so this is, I have such a soft spot for five. My sister, one of my sisters is a five. And putting putting a language to some of the behaviors that I witnessed and that people, not even myself, but other people around us, the way that they judge or the way that they say things about the way that she acts, right? They take it so differently than, and I'll explain this, but like when I learned this, it was like, again, that inner child, it's like, okay, wait, they just want to feel safe. Like, okay, I'm sorry, I'm going off. Okay, let me just, let me, let me back up. Okay, so the motivation for a five is to be self-reliant and autonomous, okay? They want to feel like no matter what happens, they can they can take care of themselves and, and they'll be safe in themselves, right? they fear being um, incapable or incompetent or not not knowing what you need to know or not being able to do what you need to do, again, to feel like safe in, in yourself. Um, they really, they value wisdom, they value insight, they value knowledge, they value, um, like knowledge is safety. The more I know, the safer I am, um, they, they wanna feel capable and competent and that, but that, that deteriorates when it's on the negative side of it. It's like they go into this, um, I'm going to go so deep, 
like it's useless specialization is like the term that I have written down. And it's like, you're just going so deep into something that it's like, you don't even need to do this. Like, but it's like, you just still, you can't stop yourself. Um, and that's, yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of that negative side of it. They, the unconscious message for a five is, um, it's not okay to be at ease in the world. And like I said, I can see that so much now of just like, how hard would it be to never feel at ease in the world? Like if that's your childhood message, if that's your inner child is that's the message they received. I'm like, oh man, like, and, and I feel that about every single number, you know, in, in what they're, what they feel, like what they feel is lacking or whatever. I always, I mean, I feel that for every single number, but it's just seeing it in somebody and having it feel like, a five is very, um, not in the same way of a four of like, you know, being in their own space, their own thing, but a five really needs their own space. They need their own time. They need to like analyze and think about it and do, they need all the information because that is what makes them feel safe. And they do need their own alone time. Like that's very, very important to a five. So if you're not a five, sometimes that can be like, well, okay, that was bitchy. Like you're just out, you know what I mean? You're just going to check out and go and you're not going to like be out here with the rest of us or, or, you know, you're only going to be here for this amount of time. But for a five, it's like, no, that's setting boundaries. That's self-care for a five because it's like, you know what? I'm going to give what I can, but then I need to be in my own space because this is healthy for me. Um, That's, yeah, it was just, it was really big for me in my life to be like, okay, this isn't personal. It isn't about anybody else. This is just, genuinely what you need to feel safe and for a five their last message is um your needs are not a problem so if you always feel you know like they like they are i mean yeah that's i mean yeah i don't know i just think it'd be hard yeah um the growth point there Mm -hmm. and then the stress point there yep the growth point is an eight so that's when they feel more self-confident and they feel more decisive and it's not as much about researching and learning. It's like, okay, I can make this decision. I can do the next thing, which, which does build self-confidence. The stress point is the seven where um, they become more hyperactive, scattered, you know, in that more, uh, more, 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 you know? Um, yeah. So yeah, that's the, that's the five. Love it. Love it. All right, number six, the loyalist, the guardian, the advocate. Yes. Okay, the six is very... Okay, so so before I say the six, I wanted to say one thing about all of the types. Every single type has, um, they call them subtypes. So they can be self-preservation, sexual or one-to-one, depending on what, what you're reading, and then um, social. So every type, it's like, it's like if... If the number describes your motivation, right? The subtype describes where that motive, like where your energy is going. So for some people and for sixes, sixes look so different. It's kind of like the fours, they look so different. If a six is a social six, their energy, everyone, everyone in all the numbers, a social is worried about the group and it's worried about your, your circle, you know, your people. And that's where that, where your energy is focused. Some people it's self-preservation and it's all about 
what is going to be the safest thing for me. Other people, it's like, I don't care about myself as much. I don't care about the group. I just care about this relationship. Like my closest relationships, this is the most important thing to me that this is solid. So like everybody has different. So with the sixes, I just want to say that up front because the sixes I feel like are one of the types that's the most different between those three subtypes. You can have three sixes in front of you and they can look like, like you have no idea. Like they're completely different. So I just want to say that ahead of, um, ahead of this. And the majority, you know, again, there's a certain percentage of society that was going to fall into each one of these numbers. But if I'm not mistaken, the sixes make up the largest uh, portion of society. If I'm not, if I, if I remember that right from um, a couple of places of reading up on those. Yeah. Most um, people are going to be a six if there's any number that's mostly represented, if that more. makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah, I, I haven't, I haven't heard that, but I haven't heard that about any number. So yeah, that, I, I could totally see that just because they are so different. I could, that, that makes sense to me. Um, okay, so the motivation for the six, they want to feel calm and they want to choose the right path. They want to, so again, let's bring it back to, you know, religion. They want to feel at peace, but they want to, again, choose the right path. They want to do what they think is the right thing to do for safety, for um, security. They fear having no support or guidance and being unable to survive on their own. If that's your core fear and you're leaving a religion, having no support or guidance, I mean, like, oh my gosh, can you imagine leaving the church as a six? Like, like, again, my heart just breaks for everybody because I'm like, oh, you poor little inner child, you know? Um, anyway, so they value and they value community and they value yeah. security. Which the church gives you those two things in bushels, huh? A hundred percent. The sixes that I the sixes that I know that have deconstructed, um, like for fives, it'll be like some you know they went on some church history thing and then they transitioned and they'll find some new order or structure or something like that. But the sixes, like the couple of sixes that I know, like it really blew them up. Like it really mm-hmm. destroyed them at a deep level because. Um, mm-hmm. because a six, they're loyal to their beliefs and they're loyal to their family and they're loyal to their people. Like that's, mm-hmm. I'm loyal to, to, mm-hmm. to my beliefs and my people. And so if that is your driving force and you have the gay kid who now you have to choose between loyalty, between your people and your gay kid, and you choose your gay kid, you're going to like, literally it will feel that sixes that I know, like it felt like they were dying because they lost mm-hmm the thing that gives them motivation to live, which is I'm loyal to my beliefs and my friends and my family and my people. And you lose all Mm -hmm. of that at once. Um, And then you have that lack of security. I just, I just see that sixes will last a long time in the church, but when they do leave it, it's, it's a really, really tough road. It's a really, really tough deconstruction. Yeah. I think, I, I think finding the Enneagram as a six would just be, so validating and so helpful just yeah for exactly those reasons their desire they want they they that's their desire is community and support and and that security um and the unconscious childhood message of a six is it's not okay to trust yourself so if you're making this huge decision to leave and to do something and that's your inner mess like that's your inner child's message is that must be terrifying that must be terrifying like truly terrifying right and so their lost message, what they need to hear is you're safe. Yeah. You are safe. 
and, and it's hard to give them that message as they're stepping away from all the safety of the things that are behind them. So mm -hmm. even as you're trying to comfort a six who's deconstructing, that's not going to be easy. No, no, mm -hmm. it's really not. Um, mm. The growth point of a, of a six is nine where they become more relaxed and optimistic um, and, you know, and not as, as worried about that security and, and, their stress point is a three and that's where they become more competitive and more arrogant um in in how they act and what they do mm. all right we are on the last three so we've got seven the enthusiast yep. the explorer the energizer i'll just tell you this Britt may know this a little bit um my boss my friend chris bloxham is a seven he he claims he's an eight i'm just gonna say on the record he's not an eight he's a seven <laughs> He is a seven. He He's loves a, seven. a good, the first time when I met him, he said it was at his house, which is a lovely party house. And he literally said that the first time I met him was, yeah, I'm Mormon, but I like to have a good time. <laughs> when, and that is a typical seven. <laughs> when I'm out to dinner with him, what he does before anybody else can say anything, he grabs the menu and he orders every appetizer available. And it, and then he's like, I'll put it, put it on my check appetizer of all the kinds put them out let everybody try them which one did you like what did you like what's new what you know um he is he is wanting to try everything and he wants to do it today like i don't know how he doesn't realize i mean to me that's my blink it's so like stereotypical again i'm a seven shocker to anybody uh enthusiast energizer whatever it's that's Again, I'm a seven through and through, um, positive, negative, all of it resonated very deeply for me. But the seven, your motivation is to feel satisfied or content. So for me, it's like, there's almost an anxiety. There is, well, you do feel anxiety a lot because it's like, okay, what are we going to watch tonight? And I will spend like 40 minutes just like looking through like my saved list of like a hundred things because it's like, well, what if this isn't as good as that one? Or like, what if I watch this one? And then I'm like, oh, it wasn't that great. Like we should watch this one. And I spend so much time just cause I'm like, I don't want it to, I don't want to let anyone else down. I want everyone to have a good time. I want everyone to enjoy it. There's a lot there of like, there's, you're just never completely satisfied or content because there's always more to experience or more to have. Yeah you want to have a fun time and you need a lot of variety. You need some variation. You, and that thirst may be unquenchable. Yeah. And, and in, in the negative aspect is it is like, that is the growth point for a seven is to become um, more centered and more in the moment because you are always anticipating what is coming next and what can I do and what there's just always more possibility. There's always something next. So for a seven, being grounded and being in the moment is, um, you know, it, that, that's a huge thing. So if the motivation is satisfied or content, the fear, which <laughs> again, the difference between a seven and a four, the fear is being to is being deprived or trapped in pain. So like sitting in something and being stuck in that and not being able to escape that or get out of it is just absolute hell. <laughs> like, nope. It's... It, this is like, I feel like I didn't know this, but I feel like now looking at it, one of my goals a few years ago was every year for my birthday, um, I listened to like a podcast or something about how memory, something that's new and novel, traumatic, 
Like these are the things we remember, right? And so if you look back on your life, what do you remember? Something new and novel that's that stands out. So I'm like, okay, for my birthday every year, instead of doing a present, I'm like, I just want to do something I've never done before. I want to have a new experience. I want to do acro yoga. I want to do something for my birthday that's that I've never done before. And I just feel like it it's just something that I I I feel like now looking at it is such a seven thing. You're just you want to experience being a human in every aspect. Um, they value freedom and openness. Their desire is to be happy and content, but that deteriorates into frenetic escapism. You're you're not in the now at all. Um, again, the unconscious childhood message is it's not okay to depend on anyone for anything. My worst moments, it's like, yeah. It, to me that just was like I don't like to cry I don't cry often but it was like reading that was just like okay I'm gonna cry yep yep <laughs> I feel it um the last message is you'll be taken care of for me it was just like uh, no I won't like I gotta have it because I won't but I love that idea like I love the idea of being you know what I mean so um yeah that's the last message of a seven yeah, I can I can see a lot of these in in him, um, both the good and the bad. Like we all have these pieces and parts. And again, it when I learned the enneagram, I I adore him, and he's a great friend of mine. But there, are, we all have little abrasive pieces that mm-hmm. bother the person next to us, right? And so, mm-hmm. his little abrasive pieces, when I learned the enneagram, it made me much softer to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I hope, you know, I hope people as they get ready to, as we get ready to talk about the eight, I hope people will be a little softer with me, you know? Oh, I um, doing, even just like writing this stuff down and, and you had told me you were an eight. It was so much of it. Again, I'm like baby childhood bill, like th- all of these things. I was just like, oh, everything makes sense. Like why you do what you do, how you've done it, how like your, your disciplinary counsel, everything. It was just. I gotta get goosebumps because it was just like, oh my gosh, like this poor inner kid. Like, yeah, yeah, I, I, uh, yeah, we'll get into it. I Uh, love it. For the seven, the growth point is a five. You become more focused and more profound. You're, you're Mm. in it. The stress point is a one. You become more perfectionistic and critical. Nothing is ever good enough. Like, and, and that's hard. Uh, so that's seven. Let's go to the eight. Hold on. Okay. So, Bill, so, yeah, hold please. On. When, yeah, we, ask so when, when you and me, Bill, we met um, at Thomas McConkie's retreat, we met in yeah. person then. That was like 10 years ago. And Chris was in my group one time when we we're doing this work. And it was like we had to do something like share something super deep and personal. And so I was like sharing like issues in my marriage and stuff. And we'd go around and he was so uncomfortable. He hated it. Oh my gosh. And now knowing, you know, looking back and seeing him as a seven, like that was, that must've been just like torture for him. Like we had to like share something and uh, something deep and personal for like five minutes straight without ever, anyone interrupting. And so, and yeah. he just, he hated it. It was so funny. Yeah. 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 No, that's you're you're hitting it right on the head. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So number eight, the challenger, the leader, the protector, the warrior. I mean, does anyone else feel like, um, I was going to say too, I was in uh, an Enneagram workshop once 
And the lady was like, she's like, look, everybody's going to, everybody, you're going to hate your number. You're going to hear what your weaknesses are. You're going to hate it. And then she goes, except for the eights. The eights love to tell everybody they're an eight. And so <laughs> eights, um, eights are proud of their number. Everybody else kind of has to sit with, sit with it a little bit. And the eights have negatives too, but we just don't give a shit about our negatives. It's, we're, it, we almost see them as a positive anyway. Right. Well, I mean, as a challenger, like even that word of challenger, like my husband is a nine, a peacemaker, you know, everything's at peace. The word challenger, I'm sure to him, I don't know, but I'm sure it's just like, that's negative. Like, wait a minute. Nope. Mm-hmm. Nope. Nope. So even that is just like, yeah, yeah your, your protective challenger, all of that. So yeah, I'm excited yeah. to get into this one. Cool. Let's talk okay. about it. Okay. So the motivation uh, to protect yourself and others from harm or control. Yeah. I mean, Go ahead, Bill. I'm just going to say, again, we don't have to spend too much time here, but these all point to an inner child who had some traumas come up, some things happen. And I'm going to tell you, there's a little thing here that I can't quite figure out. Maybe I've just blocked out memories or what, but it really feels like I didn't come to be an eight until an, an adult, somewhere in my 20s. And I can't go back into my, I had a great childhood. I can, I have a lot of, you know, good memories. I very much remember my growing up. My parents were very functional. Our home was a very safe home. And I don't really have something to go to, to say like, oh yeah, it was this thing. And it led to that. Um, it's kind of a strange thing. Cause I look at this and I go, yeah, I can tell you as an adult, what happened that led me to this. I don't, I don't really know if it connects much for me with my childhood, but I'm ex- excited to see where we go here. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's really interesting. It's interesting. I wonder if, and I don't know if this is true or not, but, um, I'm this, I'm the same way because you have the seven wing, right? So sometimes that can play into different, different aspects of, of things. I'm learning now that I do block out bad memories. Anything that was like negative, I forget. So my sister is a five and she'll say something like, Oh, do you remember this? Or do you remember that? And I'm just like, uh-uh. And then I'll think, and I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, like that was horrible. I remember, like yeah. that was a really hard time. I have no, like, I, I could not recall that if you asked me to, until like the things are brought up. So I feel like there is a part of maybe, because I feel like when I look back, I'm like, oh yeah, no, everything was happy, everything was good. No, there's a lot of shit that wasn't good. Yeah, no, no, no. I yeah, I you wish you I there. Mean? Does that yeah. make sense? So I feel like when you yeah. say that, I'm like, no, I get that for sure. So yeah, I was an uh, adult sitting with my parents and going, you know, I, I just had a memory that my parents were always just amazing parents, well-rounded, <laughs> handling things well. And then I'm sitting down with them as a 25 year old with 45 year old parents. And in my head, I'm like, man, you guys were way more fucked up than I thought you were, I know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. But, but t- t- on the other side of that, so same, like exact same looking at my parents, but also I'm like, wait a minute. I can also see their inner child in both of them and like understand so much of why they did parent the way they did. And it's like, to me, I'm like, no, you guys were great as an adult. Again, it's like, oh no, no, you guys didn't know everything or we didn't, I don't know everything either, but like you see them just as a person, as a human being and not as this like authority figure that has it figured out to see them just as a human being and to see them on a deeper level of, okay, wait, like this is, you know, your inner child, this is your inner wound. This is like what you are coming from. 
Yeah. So much more awareness. So yeah, I I see that. Okay, uh, Bill, tell me what you think about this. Okay, the fear being harmed or controlled by others. Again, I can absolutely tell you from the age of a young adult that mm-hmm. I I'm not gonna let you, I might let you think you're controlling me. You will not control me. I mm-hmm. I may play along, but I'm in my head already working out how I'm going to be one step ahead of you at every turn. Um, I'm not going to let you, you can, you can maybe embarrass me. You might be able to mock me in front, but I will get the last move in. Um, Mm -hmm. anyway, yeah, I I won't be controlled by anybody. That's not going to happen. Okay. Um, they value truth. And yeah, again, as an adult, as an adult, yeah, as a kid, yes, but it, it just wasn't profound. Um, but yes, as an adult, I'm, I'm not uh, truth and justice really ma- And it's weird. I work as a pawnbroker. I am unethical, uh, in my, in my livelihood at times. Like I have to put on a face and pretend to be something and manipulate the person on the other side of the counter. <laughs> but, but truth and justice matter too. And I, they're both true, you know, like, like, uh-huh. ah, I don't know. Okay. Anyway. Because there were other yeah, numbers that focus on, there was other numbers that focused more on ethics. Like number, was it a two? Let's see here. Let me go back to yeah, one. Is like about yeah, like ones. Four. Ones are yeah. yeah. They won't be corrupt, effective, integrity. Like mm-hmm. it sounds like they're doing a better job than me. You know. <laughs> so anyway. Oh man. Yeah, that would yeah. Truth and justice. Home. Yes. Truth and justice. Okay. So you desire to protect yourself and determine your own course for life. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to walk my own path. Yeah, that's yeah. very much. And in protecting others, you know, we get into that here, I don't know, maybe it's not there. But the whole idea of the eight really is protecting other people. Again, that top one motivation to protect others. The motive to protect others has always been a little stronger than protecting me. In fact, about two thirds of my fights as a kid growing up were because somebody picked on my brother, somebody my cousin, somebody talked down to my dad, you know, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, those moments really got me raged way more than someone hurting me. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Oh yeah, totally. Yep. Yeah. The aid is very much the protector. Um, you know, yeah, I 100%. Would you say um, Bill that it's part of the reason for why you continue to be vocal in ways that you are, because there are people in the church who don't know the truth and they also are controlled on some level whether they know it or not and and some people will stay and continue to be a voice in that space and then some people they'll do that for a while and then they stop but because you're an eight does that bother you that there are people who are giving their lives to the church and don't know and are being controlled on some level. Does that, is that a motivator for why you continue to do what you do? I will be damned. If, <laughs> the answer if, is yes. <laughs> if I don't help people that are being hurt on the, on the edges, um, I don't even know how to explain it. My number one factor is not, not to let someone get hurt on my watch. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and because I'm such a, eights can be assholes too, right? Like, so I sometimes cause hurt to other people. Like my, my need for rightness and not rightness in the way some of these other numbers put it, but in like, like you're hurting somebody that's not right. 
my effort to right that wrong, I sometimes am adding to the harm in the world um, because I'm coming on too strong to the people hurting somebody, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it can be kind of messy. But yes, Britt, I am, I am still doing this because it, it's helping people get out of harm's way. Yeah. Yeah. So you can see why that would continue to motivate you year after year. And then the couple of eights that I know, and these are men, so I don't, I don't, I don't think I have a, oh, actually my mom is an eight, but the couple of eights that are friends of mine, um, they, they will stay in the church for a long time because they almost like to show up to have something to push against. So the, the friend who co-runs the um, Boise group I stayed with in me. for a long time. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, the, the friend, the friend who um, runs the kind of post Mormon group with me. Uh, I, I think there's a part of him that really likes to show up to have something to push against. There's something wrong here. Mm-hmm. I can say something. I can protect someone. I can push against something that is doing mm-hmm. harm and make it better by me showing up. And so they. There's something about AIDS that even will stay in that place longer because they just need something to push against. I'll tell you a a good, uh, this will ring a bell. Wendy Montgomery, if you know her very well, she's an eight and you spend 10 minutes with her, her and I get along so good because it's just two eights in the room talking about all the injustice in the world. And, uh, and she is, she is about as strong of an eight as I know. And so, um, yeah, anyway, that, that rings a bell for me. But really changed the world. She she fought. She's a mama yeah. dragon, right? That's that's her name. Mm-hmm. Like I am going to fight mm-hmm. because I'm going to protect these children. This and look how long just. she stayed. Yeah, look how long right. she stayed around. Right. Right. Because there's something to push against, and there's yeah. something about you that enjoys that. Yeah. I think about your early podcast, Bill, when you were still in, and you would like there was. A, I remember one. There was one that you just like left church, and you're like, no, I had to leave. I had to walk out because like because you were, you were like on the inside trying to, um, you know, maybe protect, but, but really quick, I want to say this, the unconscious childhood message for an eight is it's not okay to be vulnerable or trust anybody. Okay. That's the, what you're working from. What you need to hear is you will not be betrayed. So as an eight, finding everything out, right? Like hit, like I'm sure that, I felt betrayed. Like I felt totally betrayed. Cause I'm like, no, no, this is, I'm so in it. So I'm sure for you even more so that betrayal and then feeling that and then wanting to protect, to protect other people because you, you don't feel like, uh, yeah. Tell me what you think. You, yeah. You GDSOBs, you intentionally deceived me. You, <laughs> right. you, you manipulated yeah. me. You took advantage mm-hmm. of me and you lied to all these people and you're hurting them in the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I can resonate a little bit. A, li- a little bit. Kind of, kind of sounds familiar. Um, <laughs> the, the growth yeah. point for an eight is two. So you become more open-hearted and caring. Yeah. And I have a very Which, sensitive side too. Yeah, yeah. And I've, I've seen you grow that side of you. You've done a lot of inner work and, and your, your boot, especially your dives into Buddhism. I've seen the two grow in you, Bill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, the stress point, cause I want to talk about this for just a second too. And then we'll move yeah. on. Yeah. So the five, what's, what's the stress points? Yeah, yeah five. I do. I will. If, if you 
if you're going to use my stuff against me, I will hide my stuff. I'm going to be so secretive about what I'm thinking, what's going on inside, because it does not feel safe to be vulnerable and share with you my inner workings if you're just going to use them to run me over or beat me up or tear me down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I resonate a little there too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but seeing, but like seeing that as, as somebody, I can see the eight also being like on the other side of being more of like an apologist or not even an apologist, but like if, if you're still hundred percent, like believing, you know what I mean? Being the challenger on that side. And I feel like I see some of these people and I don't want to say certain names, but like certain people that may or may not have been in a debate who are just like, so their conviction is so strong and they feel like morally what they're doing is good. And they're protecting these people because the ex, the you people are, you know, hurting us and you're the challenger on the other side too. So I feel like if you can get an eight to have this awakening and to see a bigger picture and a bigger you know, aspect of, of just life in general. It's like the growth for an eight, I feel like is so huge. And I feel like the contrast is so big. Yeah. My solid wing is to a nine. And as long as I don't feel like somebody is in power and hurting somebody that isn't in power, if Mm -hmm. I perceive there's some sort of equal ground and Mm -hmm. there's just disagreement, I'm the first Mm -hmm. one to come in and go like, Whoa, 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 hold on a minute. Stand back guys. Like try mm-hmm. to see each other from, from the other person's yeah. perspective. I, mm-hmm. I do that really well too. As long as I don't yeah. perceive there's a bully uh, mm-hmm. or somebody who's taking advantage of someone, mm-hmm. I tend to be the first guy in the room to help people make connections to soften up. But yeah. if there, you're right though. If there was a debate and there was two unhealthy eights that weren't just didn't have that self-awareness of like, Hey, sometimes I'm immoral too. And they just were just like fueled with self-righteousness for their cause. And they were also refused to be vulnerable because it feels too mm-hmm. unsafe. That would just be the worst debate to watch. There would be huh. no, there'd be no <laughs> even ground for hmm. there to be a conversation that would be of any interest. Huh. Have you had okay. a few of those debates, Bill? No, no. I've, I've participated <laughs> in debates where, yes, uh, or at least, uh, at least attended debates where you can see that strongly in a certain side. And at that point, nothing really can get accomplished because that person, hell or high water, they're not going to let you know there's any weakness in their argument, right? And they will go to whatever degree necessary to to win because they also believe they're defending something and someone mm-hmm. and they and they're both right in whatever ways that they think they're right they could even sure. both be right but there yeah. would just be nowhere to go you know yeah mm-hmm. yeah amen yeah mm-hmm. love this love it love it okay yeah. cool. the nine let's do it this is the last one the peacemaker the wow. diplomat the mediator i always yeah. think of dan weatherspoon he's a nine this is i always good, think of him yeah. for nines good strong nine Okay. So I, like I said earlier, my husband's a nine. This was so huge. This, yeah, this one was huge for me because I feel like nines can be very misunderstood. Um, it's funny, just really quick when I married my husband. Okay. And, and I would see him interact with people. It's like, even if he has one best friend, he is like five people's number one best friend. Do you know what I mean? And when we go to different places and there's different interactions, different people, 
for me, it's like, I feel like I'm always the same. I'm going to show up and it, it, I am who I am. You like me, you don't, whatever. This is me. Where he was so much more like fluid and kind of would adapt to the room and adapt to, you know, who he's around and he could just kind of fit into something. But it always like blew my mind because it was never fake. He was never fake or putting on an act. It's just like he was more of a chameleon of letting people feel comfortable and feel like they could be themselves and he will like meet people wherever they are. And, you know, at first, like I said, it was like, why aren't you the same person every time? Like, you don't think that you don't agree with that. And I can't remember. I wrote something down. I I don't have it. Um, It was like agreement. It's like, you don't have to just because you like, let it go just because you like, let it be. It doesn't mean you agree with it. You know what I mean? And that was like, that was really big in seeing that. It's like, if he didn't agree with what somebody said, he's not going to say anything. He's not going to challenge it or bring it up. He's like, okay, cool. And I'm like, whoa, like, why didn't you say like, well, that's stupid, you know, or like, no, that's not true. Or this isn't real or something. And it's like, well, no, what does it matter? Like, he just lets people be them. And he doesn't want to disrupt somebody else at the expense of getting what he wants out of the situation. Yeah. Because he yeah. genuinely just wants peace. Like, yeah. peace is more important than his opinion. And for a nine, yeah. I just want to say this. It is hard. Sometimes nines genuinely don't know their opinion on something. They don't know. They're, they can be very detached from their own wants and needs. That they, it's not that they're suppressing them, but they genuinely just are like, no, I don't, I don't care what everybody wants and then I feel good I feel like it's really easy for the ninths in my life there's only a couple but I it's really easy to see whether you're an unhealthy nine or a healthy nine like really quick Mm -hmm. I can tell because Mm -hmm. if you're an unhealthy nine you're just a doormat right and you don't really have Mm -hmm. a personality except for just mirroring the personalities around you but the Mm -hmm. reason that nines are like at the top of the Enneagram is because a healthy nine can just Mm -hmm. meet all, all the numbers that are, cause we all have these parts of us mm-hmm. within us. They can just mm-hmm. kind of, Oh, I need an eight here, or I'm going to meet this with my four, or I'm going to go do this with the threes. And they can, they can really be all of them all at once and bring everyone together so that everybody's mm-hmm. safe. So it's, to me, it's really, you can really see the difference between a healthy nine and an unhealthy nine based on, um, based on whether they're a doormat or whether they're, uh, just able to meet the experience with whatever part of themselves um, mm-hmm. is most appropriate for that for that situation. And so I, I always see Dan Witherspoon. The reason he's so good at panels is because he really um, is, to me, a really well-developed nine. Like he really holds that peacemaking space so that you can have panels of six, seven people really, really different. And Dan can handle that. Mm-hmm. Love it, man. And you can see again, it, it just in this space, you know, if you say, okay, well, here's Dan Witherspoon and here's Gina Colvin, here's Bill Real, here's Brittany Hart, you, you can suddenly go like, let's put a room together and how would we interact with each other? And if something contentious was brought up, I would be bothered by the peacemaker's apathy mm-hmm. to an issue. And I would be like, come on, damn it, get on one side of the fence or the other. Meanwhile, that person's <laughs> trying not to cause harm to everyone else in the room and not just standing up for right or wrong 
isn't the only thing going on. The eight, that's what the eight cares about. Mm -hmm. But the nine mm -hmm. has other things he's thinking about. Same with the four, the mm -hmm. seven. Like they all have mm -hmm. different things going on in their head. Mm -hmm. And they're all equally important. But it's yeah. like just because of how we feel. No, they're not. I feel like that's not important. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Stop no, challenging no. eight. <laughs> okay. Uh. So motivation. Let's do this. So motivation for nine. Maintain relationships. Pretty. Yep. Yeah. Covered that. Um, the fear is that loss of connection or separation. So whatever we can do, keep peace. I just don't want to lose this or or lose anybody. Um, they value, again, harmony, connection. Um, what they want is peace of mind, peace around them, peace in their environment. And I think like at the, at the core, like an inner stability of, of like, okay, I think finding that peace in yourself is so big for a nine too. Um, they, the, the unconscious message for a nine is it's not okay to assert yourself. So, I mean, if you think of a child, like in a home, you know, and, and there's, and I don't want to say this in a, not calling them out, but like, I, you know, I've asked my husband about that before and he's like, yeah, he's like, you know, I just feel like even as a kid, I would look at everybody else coming to my parents or whatever, everyone had problems, you know? And he's like, so let them, everyone's bringing something. And so he, and my husband's like the middle of five kids. He's the third. So it's just like, I feel like he was very much of, so I'm just going to sit back and I'm going to chill and you guys do your thing. And I just don't want to rock the boat anymore. You know what I mean? Whatever I can do to kind of like ease the waters a little bit. Um, but if, if that's the message of, it's not okay to assert yourself. Then the lost message for a nine is your presence matters. And I feel like that's so big because nines are so good at making everybody else feel like their presence matters that having that awareness and, and being able to help a nine feel like they matter and who they are and they're, you know, I think that's really, um, yeah, I just think it's, Again, I have like a, that connection. So to me, it's like, I'm just passionate about that one, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. So in your, I'm curious, in your marriage at the beginning, while you're still learning about who you are and you're married, um, like was confrontation, like was your husband just like trying to get out of confrontation as soon as possible in whatever way possible? So yeah, so we learned the first couple of years, like uh, we ended up doing couples therapy for a little bit and because to me, you piecing out and going to sleep, that's his way to cope. And that's his way to, um, it's like it, we would get in an argument, right? And he would just go to bed. And then I would be up for hours just like thinking and like, I couldn't go to sleep. My mind couldn't shut off because I was just trying to, I'm not as emotional. Like I, I need to feel connected to you. I don't care. I need to understand why you acted this way. If I can understand the motivation for this behavior, then I can be like, okay, this makes sense. I can process it and then I can like let it go. You know what I mean? I'm not gonna what I'm not gonna stay on it forever. But if I don't understand you or or what you're doing and why you did that, that and then you just check out, to me, that felt just as abandoning as for him if I would have just like left. Like if I would have physically left him. I only done that one time in like a fight. I just like left and turned off my phone and I was just gone for a couple hours. 
And it was like, he was so upset in that moment of just like, I didn't know where you were. I didn't know what was going on, like what was happening. And I'm like, well, yeah, like that's how I feel every single time. Like, just because you're physically there, you're to me, you're not. So yeah, it was a really big learning curve of, um, I need you to talk to me. I need you to not just go silent, but, but understanding that that's not, he wasn't doing it to be mean or to be hurtful. It's just, that is how he deals with his stress. Yeah. My youngest, my youngest brother is a nine and all growing up, he just, whatever was the peacemaking thing, like he never Mm -hmm. had an opinion. He never got in a debate. Mm -hmm. He just, whatever I can do to just like make everything okay is what he would do. And so it's been interesting watching him become an adult and watching Mm -hmm. him in our family um, just kind of learn to say like, I have this need, like I need to go do this Mm -hmm. or I have this opinion about it and actually say Mm -hmm. it. That was really, really hard for him and watching him really do that for the first time. There's this kid I've known of my whole life. I don't know his opinion on almost anything because he's only for the first time really sharing, this is my space and this is what I think Um, because he just wanted to whatever I can do to just calm the bolt down is like, was his role yeah. in the family. Yeah. And that growth is huge because yeah, it's really hard for nines to um, even get to the point to know, you know, what they think and what they, what their stance is on something. So that's awesome that he's able to start, you know, knowing. Um, Love it. That was so, so fun. Yeah. We got through those nine. I wanted to at least give you a few minutes to talk about, you know, where should, if people go like, all right, I'm kind of interested. I want to figure out what number mm-hmm. I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they probably just through the conversation probably did, but if they didn't, mm-hmm. where they can go to take a test, where they can go to read more, uh, what other resources would you suggest? Yeah. So with the Enneagram, it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to do online tests. They're, they're ready. Um, it's R-H-E-T-I. Um, that test I feel like is probably the most accurate. Um, but but there's no test that's completely accurate because it's only as accurate as you know yourself, right? And so sometimes we have like filters or we have lenses we don't always answer for who we are. Sometimes it's more of like what we want to be or how we want to see ourselves. Um, so sometimes it can be hard and sometimes we just don't know. Like for a nine, nine taking tests, it's like my youngest sister is a nine and we were just trying to type her and it was like every day it was a different number. And I'm like, B, like who, what is, you know, it's sometimes it's really hard with just the test, but I feel like the ready is really good. Um, the Enneagram Institute.com is my favorite website for the Enneagram. And there's so many resources on there, especially if you're um, like conflicted on, am I this number? Or am I this number? You can go there and you can compare the two and then it'll pull it up of like this versus this, or this, you know, this is how you react in a stress situation versus this. Um, so I feel like that's the best resource, in my opinion. Um, there's an app. It's just called the Enia app. And I, I think there's a free version. And I think the paid version was like $3 maybe. The app has a ton of information. Um, and then this, there's a few books that I loved. Chris Hewart, he also has a podcast. Um, I can't think of the name of it right now. But he wrote a few different books. But the Enneagram of Belonging. Um, um, is is was a really good one for me. Uh, the Wisdom of the Enneagram. It's by John Richard Riso and Russ Hudson. 
that one is like Enneagram Gold. The Road Back to You by Ian Morgan Cron and Suzanne Sable. Um, another one by Don Richard Riso is Personality Types. It's using the Enneagram for self-discovery. And then the last one on my list is um, The Complete Enneagram by Beatrice Chestnut. And yeah, those are all great, great books. And Bill, Bill will post all of all of yep, the ones that, all that you up. all that you mentioned. But it's so interesting how you said it's only really as helpful as how self honest you're able to be. Because mm-hmm. so I've been professionally tested twice. Like someone came into a workspace and mm-hmm. gave me and my you know fellow employees like a professional test um, in order us for in order for us to learn how to work together. And so that's the first time that I came across it, and it really helped us um work better together as a group it was a bunch of teachers and we did this and the first time i did it it said i was a five with a four wing but i think it's because Mm. i really wanted to be a five because fives you know whatever their niche thing is they're really smart Mm -hmm. right they're really really smart at their their genius in their niche thing um, mm-hmm. And especially in places like philosophy and history where I'm interested, mm-hmm. it's a male space and I really mm-hmm. wanted to be a five. And so the first time I took it, it, I was a five with a four wing. And then later on when I took it, when I was able to be a little bit more honest that I'm not, mm-hmm. that's not as driving as a motivator as I would want it to be, um, mm-hmm. is when I got the four with the five wing because I got, I got more self-honest in that time in between. Mm-hmm. But the first yeah. time I took it, I, I think I really, and I didn't know I was doing this, but I think I was really driven by this desire to um, be the smart one because I wanted to be the smart one because those fives are really smart at that niche thing that they're super interested in. Mm-hmm. Yep, 100%. Good stuff. I hope this makes a difference for people. I, I really think this is an important spot to spend at least a few hours to read up on and maybe revisit. I try to revisit this about once every year, once every other year and to just mm-hmm. kind of refresh myself on what my wife is, what I am. And it really does help. It helps us talk better. Um, it helps us understand our kids better. So I hope people utilize it. And I got to say, Jessa, thank you so much for giving us your time today and uh, having of us course. have the space to facilitate this conversation. Yeah, no, thank you. It's been so fun. So fun to have the discussion. So thanks for having me. And I hope you take Brittany up on your offer and you start kicking ass on that Instagram. I mean, yeah, Yeah. everyone start sending me your stuff. Anyone who likes doing that, that side of things, uh, hit me up because I have tons of ideas. So love it. it. Anything else from you? I think we're good. Thanks so much. Perfect. Have a beautiful day, everybody. Britt, good to see you as always. And uh, you won't be here next week, correct? Uh, we'll be here next week. We're doing psychedelics next week. Okay. Uh, and then I, at, later in the, the week month, after. I'll take after. Yeah. But next okay. week, we're going to be diving into psychedelics and with, with an expert, with an expert in psychedelics. And so Bill's super excited. And yeah. uh, yes, Jessa. Can I ask a question really quick? Yeah. Will you address this when you, when you do this? I have wanted to do ayahuasca and psychedelics for since I've been deconstructing. But as a mom and trying to be reasonable, you know, I, I am, I have four kids and I've had them. So hormonally and different things, I've had to be on different kinds of medications, right? And so I haven't ever gone there just because I don't know interaction wise, like, can you be on an antidepressant or can you be on something? And, and what can, can you do mushrooms? Can you do, what can you do, if anything, 
or do you need to completely be mm. like medical yeah. free? I'll ask him. I certainly don't know enough to even like I, pretend yeah. to have an answer for that question, but I'll definitely yeah. ask him. Um, okay. Yeah, it's something that the, you know, the deconstruction space, everyone is curious about this, especially how it relates to spirituality. But then there's mm -hmm. like parts that are illegal and we don't know anything about it. And so everyone has a lot of questions. And so this guy mm -hmm. that we're talking to is a friend of mine. He lives in Boise, but he's building um, like a psychedelic retreat center in oh, cool. uh, in Oregon where you would go for a week or a weekend and do deep work in conjunction with plant medicine and he's the most one of the most interesting guys I've ever met um so we're gonna and he's actually he was raised Mormon um so mm -hmm. we're gonna pick his brain and hear his story and it's gonna be super interesting so if you're listening definitely tune in next week and I'll be sure I'll I'll write that question down and we'll be sure to yeah. um see because it's it's a it's an area where a lot of people post deconstruction are curious about and I want to make sure that everyone um, is able to go into that space safely because there are concerns like that that mm -hmm. have to be addressed so yeah. that's next week so excited to tune in for that all right you guys have a great day and uh, talk to you guys then talk to you talk to you then Brent all right thanks have a great day Jessa thank you yeah. thanks Jessa Bye. This has been another Almost Awakened episode. Check us out at almostawakened.org, where you can check out past episodes, make a donation to keep this podcast running, email us a question or comment, or find out more about the resources shared in today's episode. For coaching opportunities or extra support, visit nonsensespirituality.com to meet with certified spiritual director, Brittany Hartman.